Well, good evening. Welcome to Grace Life Church. We're glad to be here tonight with all of you and those of you who join us live and uh, who will watch it or watch it another time or listen on another format. So tonight we're talking about healing. I mean, I think that's an important subject. You know, whether you want to be healed or whether you want to be in the ministry of healing. And uh, everyone, whether you need healing or not, uh, some say, well, I'm just not interested in that. Well, uh, I wouldn't tell Jesus that. If, they ever, if you ever watched the uh, Passion of the Christ, he was very interested in it. And so uh, it's, uh, it's part of the Great Commission, isn't it? That we, uh, the Bible said believers, and not didn't say preachers, didn't say evangelists, didn't say apostles or prophets. If believers lay, lay hands on the sick, and the sick show up, they're going to recover. So before we get into here, we have a, a, a kind of a, an outline that we're looking at tonight. Uh, before we get into that, I'm going to make a few comments um, I want to read something um, that actually Brother Curry Blake uh, put out in a newsletter. I guess it was uh, some months ago. And he said this. He says, someone uh, once told Charles Finney, the great American evangelist, that he had said that Charles Finney, he said, you have good theology, but it was impractical. To which Charles Finney replied, if it's impractical, it's not good theology. Your theology must be practical, meaning it must be applicable in everyday life. Strangely enough, most people's theology is theoretical and not applicable in real life. So theology is your understanding and application of who God is and how he interacts with humans. So this is the most important understanding in your life, and it'll, it will guide how you think and act in every day of your life. Now, the second most important understanding is how you relate to what you know to how you live. Christianity is not just a mental agreement with a creed or a statement of faith. The essence of everything in Christianity is how you live compared to what you know about God. Neither God nor the devil looks at the name or the denomination of your church and then treats you according to the statement of faith of that group. <laughs> Isn't that good? Both God and the devil simply look at how you live. If you believe a certain doctrine or statement of faith, your life will line up with that statement of faith without you having to look at the statement of faith. What and how you live is what you believe. It's just as simple as that. For example, if you believe in healing, you will minister healing to people, whether through laying on of your hands or speaking to them and commanding their healing. He said, let me emphasize this, and this is the end of it. He says, when, <clears throat> what you believe is not what you say you believe. It's how you live. Neither God nor the devil cares what you say you believe. They only care what you live. That's where the rubber meets the road, right? And so we're going to uh, start there, and um, uh, we don't really have a tile night. We're just uh, speaking on... Uh, uh, your subtopic there sh should say the origin of sickness. If you is that where your starts, someone there. Uh, I'd, I'll just have a few comments here and there, uh, if any. Uh, mostly we'll stick to the outline here, but we're going to keep it real simple. KIS, keep it simple. And uh, <clears throat> and so it's been said that an anointed teacher makes the complicated simple, but an anointed teacher makes the simple complicated. And we've had a lot of help in that area sometimes. So the origin of sickness, and it starts us off in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. It says, therefore, just as one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, 
And then the death spread to all men because all sinned. Verse 13 said, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Now, the reason why we're going over this part of it is because what I think a lot of people, just in, just in my understanding of things uh, about healing, where it's so complicated for people for so long, whether in their endeavoring to be healed, to receive healing, or to minister to healing others, is that if you do not have the, a, a good understanding of the old covenant and the new covenant, then, you, then you'll minister out of both, or you, or you can minister a lot out of the old covenant. And that's just not who we are. So we, we, we have to get a good understanding. You can say, well, I know it's God's will to heal. But yeah, but then you'll put all kind of qualifications in there because we've all been somewhere in church while we found out why we weren't qualified. And we knew that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that is true. But since we did experience the healing that we wanted, sometimes we thought, well, maybe our faith's not where it needs to be or we hadn't heard enough. So we just need to hear and hear and hear and hear. And whenever, if they didn't tell you that, that's what it was implied. So you could actually turn hearing into a work. You could turn confession into a work, not even realizing you're trying to, it is a work, but you've turned it into a work because you're trying to get to an expected end, a desired end, and you see that you're not there, even though you believed in your heart, but you look, uh, you know, you know, God's not against experience. Huh? How, how, how many of you think the upper room was an experience? It, it, was, it was a great experience. God's not against feelings. How many think they had some feelings in the upper rooms? Cloven tongues of fire sat on each one of them, and they spoke with tongues, and the whole world knew what was going on in that upper room. That was an experience, and they felt it, and they knew about it, and they heard it. So healing is an experience. I've watched people get healed through the, the sometimes they felt nothing, and sometimes they felt a, a whole lot. It doesn't mean that you have to feel anything to be healed. Not at all. But it doesn't mean that you won't, always won't. And so it's, uh, so we do, we do take it by faith, but uh, we, do want, uh, we do want to remember that under the new covenant, we, we want to know what Jesus has already done. And so it's not a, a bunch of list of to do this and to do that and to this and to do that because uh, also when we get into it further down the road, um, you, you kind of have a way that we minister healing in the church. It's a lot different than when, you, when you're out in the public. I mean, I have time here and then I have people that I know. I know what they know. And I know what they've been taught. I know what they believe. But when, I'm, when I got four, four or five minutes or ten minutes with someone, you know, in a restaurant or in the street and they don't know me and I don't know them, I, we're, I'm not there to disciple them. I'm there to get them healed. I'm not there to interview them, take them back to their mother's womb and, you know, and, and try to get them out, out, of, out of under 50 curses. And, and, uh, and Jesus didn't either. Isn't it funny that Jesus never, never dealt with one generation of curse, but yet that's the best-selling books on, on the, in the Christian market today. And Jesus never dealt with one of them. Uh-oh. That'll upset somebody's little cart. But anyway, so it says here that sin was the original cause of death, and sickness and disease are just immature forms of death. Adam was the original human who sinned, which is Genesis 2.17. But sin had its origin with Satan. In other words, Satan was the first to sin. So there's two main causes of sickness and disease. Both fall into the territory of the enemy. In other words, people say sometimes, well, is, is all sickness because of the devil or is it some of it just natural? Yeah, uh, yes. Yes and no. Hmm? In other words, if, it's, uh, if you 
if it's 20 degrees outside and, and you decide that you're just going to pour water over your head and pull your shirt off and put on shorts and go sit on the, on the stoop all night long and you come in and you have the flu the next morning, you can't say, that old sorry devil. Well, it wouldn't be the devil's fault, right? But in the sense of there was no sickness on the earth until sin, yes, that would all fall under that category. So that's what it tells us here. It says uh, the natural is caused by maybe viruses, bacteria, lifestyles, or someone could have a, you know, an injury. An accident or something. Demonic is caused by a spirit of infirmity or a curse. It doesn't really matter if the sickness is natural or demonic. You treat it the same because Jesus died for both kinds, didn't he? Since both kinds are in the devil's territory, both kinds are demonic whether you like it or not. Christianity 101 is this. If it's a sickness, get it healed. If it's a demon, cast it out. If it's a curse, break it. Sin is not imputed where there's no law, since Christ is the end of the law for all belief. Now, if you don't, uh, there's no, that's Romans chapter 4, uh, 10 verses 4. Christ is the end of the law for all those who believe. Any believers here tonight? Christ is the end of the law. Huh? And uh, one translation says Christ is the end of the law for all those who have faith. Because the, the, the scripture tells you that the law is not a faith. <laughs> didn't require faith. You either kept it or you didn't keep it. And no one ever kept it fully. So <clears throat> it goes on to tell us here uh, that sin is not imputed uh, because the, the Christ is the end of the law for all those who believe sin is not imputed on us. You say, well, I need to know that because whether you need to know it for you because if you're struggling with something and you're under condemnation or you have guilt in your life or whatever it is that you feel like you can't receive or if you're going to minister to someone and they have these things going in their life and they have addictions and they've, they've went to their, you know, their third marriage or fourth marriage, all these things that are built up, all these reasons why we can't receive from God. We're going to tear all those sacred cows down, get them out of our thinking. Because sin for the believer is not imputed to you. It's not counted. God's not counting up your mistakes. Huh? In another 25 years of preaching that, the church has been getting maybe come along a little bit. It's, it's, we're only about, about a thousand years behind. You ever heard of the Martin Luther Reform Reformation? A lot of people died there. You know, was he preaching? Righteousness by faith. And boy, did that cause a stir. So this makes all sickness illegal, no matter whether it's natural or spiritual, no matter what its roots are. The original cause was sin and that has been dealt with. Imagine you're in prison. Your crime, whatever it is, sin. They put you in jail, which is, we'll call it sickness, jail sickness. If you are acquitted and forgiven, do you stay in jail or do you leave? Do you leave, right? Well, since Christ is the end of the law for all those who believe in sin is not imputed to us, then why would we be in jail? Hmm? So if we're in prison and your crime is sin and you're put in jail and it's sickness, then if we've been acquitted, it's time to leave. Now, we know John 10, 10 gives you a little chart there. John 10, 10 says the thief comes not to accept to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life uh, that you may have life and have it more abundantly, which is to restore, to give life, to make whole. In other words, Jesus didn't come to give you abundant life. It doesn't say this here. 
but this is something you want to grab onto. And I'm not picking on this, but you know, there's been a lot of churches called like abundant life, and they take that out of John 10, 10 because people take that scripture and it really doesn't say abundant life. It says life abundantly. You say, well, that's just semantics. It's not semantics because the, the drug dealer has abundant life. The mafia has abundant life. If, if, if abundance is, you know, in, in plenty, in the form of plenty, uh, possessions or whatever it may be, they could have. But, but Jesus come to give you life, which is the word what? Zoe, Z-O-E, the life and nature of God. He came to give you his life and his nature in abundance. That's a lot different than just saying got abundant life. But if you got, if you, if you got the life of God, the Zoe life of God in your spirit and you have it in abundance, then that means you have enough to give you and you got enough to let it flow out of you. How about that? In other words, it's time to flow. Not time to go and time to and time to flow. So all sickness and diseases are illegal. They have no right. They are in rebellion against the finished work of the cross. You don't always need to find out why a person is sick. This will go against a lot of teaching. It's better to know why they can be set free than know why they're sick. You see, they know why they're they know they know why they're sick. What they don't know is the gospel, the power of God, and salvation. In other words, uh, and I'm not, you know, there's, they, they don't have to be interviewed. I'll just leave that out there without putting any names on there. They don't have to be interviewed. See, this, this stuff doesn't work in the street. If it doesn't work in children's church, it doesn't work anywhere. It, it, it has to work with the little guys. It has to work with the lost because it belongs to everyone. So if you're going to interview them, then, then what you're doing is you're, you're looking for the reasons of why they're in bondage. Jesus says, in my name, set them free. He didn't tell you to go interview them. Who did Jesus ever interview? His disciples tried to get Jesus into an interview. By, um, uh, you know, and was it John chapter 9? They said, was this, was this man's child? I mean, it, I mean was, is they sick or are they dying or are they blind because, you know, he sinned or, or the, what, the baby? Well, what did the baby do? And, G and Jesus answered the question in the interview. He said, how about neither? But I have a work to do while I still light. See, there was no interview there. I've, I've come to set the captive free. So freedom is the word that you're after. Complete and total freedom. And so we're not doing interviews. Now, under the new cut, next page, sickness never originates from God. And he never caused or allows sickness for any reason or season. Whenever you see examples of people dying from sickness sent by God, it was because of the old covenant was still in operation. That's why people get confused. They read the Old Testament or the old covenant and then the New Testament or the new covenant. And they, and they say, well, back here, it says that this happened, this happened. And God, God caused this or allowed this. Well, you're, you're, in the, you're in an old covenant where God dealt with the people based on laws. So here it says, whenever you see examples of people dying from sickness by God, which would be the old covenant, it was based on the old covenant because it was still in operation. God was relating to mankind through the law, which had curses for disobedience. Uh, you can go read Deuteronomy 28 and figure that one out. Some of those curses are sickness, diseases, and death. But God did away with those curses by making Jesus a curse for you, which would be Galatians 3.13. And other scriptures uh, down through the, that chapter right there. Galatians 3, you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Redeemed, set free, delivered. Therefore, all the curses of the law, including sicknesses, 
They're illegal. I want you to get that word. Sickness is illegal. We'll probably read it here somewhere else. I think it is, but if not, another word for illegal is because sickness is caused by a criminal, and you're not the criminal. How, how do you treat a criminal who's caused an illegal activity in you, in your own body? They need to be arrested and run out, don't they? Need to post a no, a, a no, no trespassing sign. In the temple. Since we're in Alabama, we say it this way. Not here, Bubba. <laughs> so, God did away with those curses by making the Jesus curse for, a curse for you. Therefore, all the curses of the law, including sickness, are legal. Just because they are illegal doesn't mean that they don't exist. It's our job to let the righteousness and justice be on earth as it is in heaven. To bring, his, to bring his kingdom into our world, we have to change the, the illegal to legal. Illegal activity that the enemy is operating in because the people don't know what belongs to them. Too legal, which is the Matthew 12, 28. Sickness to hell, death to life, curse to blessing. What can't, we can't do that if we believe God sent the sickness, the curse, or death in the first place. Now, some of you may not have any trouble with that, but I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not mad at anyone, but I, I grew up in a church that, that I, all this was taught. I mean, and I got it for 19 years, 18, 19 years until I left. You know, so that's why we always had to say, Lord, if, if it's your will, would you heal them? Then we had to leave it up and see if it's God's will. And hopefully God was in a good mood that day. Maybe, maybe he was healing letters A through J and the next day, you know, M through, uh, through Z and whatever. And um, maybe he did this on Monday and this on Friday. Maybe he didn't do it at all. Maybe, did, maybe you know, he did it to teach you something. Or maybe you, because of what you have done, what you haven't done, all this has come upon you. So many things. It's a wonder anybody ever got healed. Most of them actually never did. But in Matthew 20, 12, 25, it says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself, it will not stand. If God heals, but he also makes sick, the kingdom's divided. Can you see that? In other words, he says that every kingdom divided against itself is brought to des uh, desolation, can't stand. So if God heals and he also makes sick, then his kingdom's divided. Therefore, he doesn't cause sickness. If he gives life, but he also kills, his kingdom is divided. Therefore, he doesn't kill. If God blesses, but he also curses, then his kingdom is divided. Therefore, he doesn't curse. God has never used sickness to teach us. He has his word. He has Holy Spirit. And he has the, and the anointing to do that. The word being 2 Timothy 3.16. The Holy Spirit, John 16.13. And the anointing, 1 John 2.27, is our teacher. So if you say God uses sickness to teach, you might as well call the, the word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in the anointing position in Christ, you might as well call it a disease. That'd be, that'd be way off, wouldn't it? If you're saying God is using sickness to teach you, and Jesus is the word, and the Holy Spirit is the anointing, and you have your own position in Christ, then you're, all these things just become a part of a disease. So if God were to use sickness as a lesson, then you should pray for the symptoms to worsen so that you can really learn your lesson. 
If you believe that God teaches through sickness, then you are in continuous willful rebellion against his will. If you go to the doctor and you seek help. If sickness were from God to draw you to him, pray that every member of your family becomes sick with cancer so they can draw nigh to God. You wouldn't wish that on them. Why do you think God would? If sickness were from God, then God, then going to God for healing would mean that you're going to go to the very being that's causing your destruction to be set free from your destruction. That's pretty dumb. That's like going to the school, bill, uh, the school bully and asking him to help protect you from him, from himself. <laughs> he's probably not going uh, to oblige you, I don't think. Little statement out in your notes is this. No army, no army has ever brought glory to its king or commander <clears throat> by showing how much it can suffer at the hands of the enemy, at the hands of the one they're fighting. We, you know, people, you ever heard people say, well, you know, God gave me this to, you know, and, 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 you know, and I know they meant well, they just didn't know. I know people who carried it all the way to the grave that somehow God knew I'd be strong enough to carry this, but I, I would give my testimony and people did get saved, you know, because I, I, they felt such compassion and pity and sorrow. And some people did get saved. That's not what God does. God, God doesn't put cancer on someone. And then they go around and telling their story that God did this and, and, and that uh, he's using that somehow to bring people to Christ. That's what we have the word for. That's what we have Holy Spirit for. Holy Spirit, not unholy. Holy Spirit. Not un, he's not unholy. He's a Holy Spirit. Is cancer holy? Is sickness holy? Is disease holy? Is poverty holy? No. So you can't say anything that brings death and destruction to anyone. You can't, if you can't, if you can't call it holy, you can't say Holy Spirit used it. Does the Holy Spirit use drugs? No. <laughs> the answer is no. Well, he doesn't use anything else that steals, kills, and destroys. Because his nature is his nature. And nothing changes that. And so... Um, uh, that's why we said no army has ever brought glory to this king or commander by showing how much it can suffer at the hands of its enemy. But they bring glory to God by conquering the enemy army. Okay. So in conclusion, we need to treat all sickness the same, whether it's caused naturally or physically. Destruction is the work of the devil, and, it, and, that's, and all it takes for evil to reign is for a few good men or women to do nothing. Even doctors know sickness is bad, and that's why they devote their entire lives to eradicating it. Medicine is not divine. It's merely a natural way of producing healing, but it has flaws. Costs, side effects, misdiagnosis, fallibility. We are not against doctors or medicine. We are just for God. This is, this is about divine healing and not natural remedies or diets. Diet is not, it's not God's new way of doing it. Thing, I mean, employ all that. But that, but that is not the way he did it. Huh? There's not one nutritionist. I mean, I'm still waiting for the. For, um, I, I mean, I've studied these things for years. There's not, as far as we know, and, and nutrition is great. Nutrition is something you ought to employ in your life. But there's not a nutritionist that we know of who's lived to be a hundred. Hmm. Now they might have had a better life, and they might have had a more you know, a healthier life to whatever age they were than those who never employed. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, you know, drink Coke and eat donuts every day and touch your rolls. I mean, that's, that's probably going to get you in a lot of trouble. So there's, there's some natural wisdom there. 
but you can't, but people are turning, you know, this herb and this and this and this into the way that God does things now. Well, it, it, he, he may lead you to do those things. Holy Spirit may lead you to do something like that. He may tell you, don't, don't eat this. He may tell you, do not drink this anymore. And that may be the very thing that, that, he, that he wants you to do. But it, you can't make it the gospel. In other words, the, the gospel is for everyone. In other words, if he tells you not to drink tea or he tells you not to drink coffee or he tells you, you, you can't make that the gospel. But he may, he may lead you to do that. But it can't be the gospel for everybody, can it? But this is the gospel for everybody. For everybody. Anywhere in the world. Okay. So <clears throat> this is not in your notes. But Jesus only gave two reasons uh, for failure. To heal or to receive healing. Two reasons that Jesus only gave for, for, for failure to, to heal or to receive healing for yourself. This is not in your notes. Number one is unbelief. It's one of the two reasons for failure to, to heal or receive healing. Unbelief. Number two. He, Jesus said, by the traditions, by your traditions, you make the word of God of none effect. By your traditions, he said, you make the word of God of none effect. So unbelief is one reason. Number two, is the, the tradition of men makes the word of God of none effect. The only hindrance to healing is that you believe there is a hindrance to healing. Or the one that, the one that you believe is the hindrance? It is. That's the hindrance, the one that you believe. Now, this next page is where we uh, was up on the, on the uh, board and eraser a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, the new creation. And we, and we uh, had this chart, uh, best we could do it that night. And uh, this talks about comparing yourself to Jesus according to, to attributes. Repre and then we gave a, we gave a uh, kind of a, a one through ten. I mean, how do you stack up in the attributes of, of Jesus according to Scripture? And so we asked about these and, and about and, uh, it's righteousness and holiness and power and authority and giftedness and uh, spirit filled and glory and blessedness and level of, uh, the level of favor. And uh, those of you here, how did y'all do up from one to ten? Well, how, how did Jesus do? Was he a Jesus ten all across the board? How'd y'all stack up? Y'all are all tens across the board, just like Jesus. Wow. Well, you know, probably someone would argue with about that, don't you imagine? There's always someone that would argue with about that. <clears throat> well, people would ask me sometimes, uh, we, we had this discussion the other day, and I uh, said, what's your, what's your opinion on that? I said, I don't have one. And they said, oh, what do you mean you don't have one? I said, I don't have an opinion. I said, you've got to have some kind of opinion. I said, I, I don't have an opinion. What do, you, what do you mean you don't have an opinion? Aren't you a minister of the gospel? I said, yeah. Other than that, I'm I'm a Christian. I'm an individual. I'm a human. I'm a I'm a husband. I'm a son. I'm a I'm a father. I'm a papa, granddad. What do you want to call it? But according to what you're asking me about that that matter, I don't have an opinion because it was a you know it was a biblical thing. I said now I can I can open up my Bible and I can tell you what the what the Bible says about that because whatever the Bible says is my opinion. I don't have any opinion outside of that. Oh, you got to have some just, you know, inner gut feeling. I said, inner gut feeling? What, beyond, beyond this? I don't have no inner gut feeling. See what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I know that's in the Bible, but, but you know, I mean, they, 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 so, they say, well, this is real life. I'm talking about, you know, in life. I said, so what, what do you think this is for? 
<laughs> I mean, if you live to be 120 down here, you, you know, that's going to be short compared to eternity. I've always said, you know, God has shoelaces and Nike's older than 120. His shoelaces are more than 120 years old. When we, when we come down here for the millennium and we're here a thousand years, the scripture says people who die, which won't be any of those who went to heaven, but people who, who did not go, um, you know, in the rapture, that, that were born during those seven years, they'll be here during those, you know, there'll be people have to hear the gospel at that point. They can receive or even reject Jesus. So the ones who would die would be the ones who rejected him. But it, but they said, if they died during the millennium at a hundred years old, they'll be thought to be just mere babies at a hundred. Well, in our way of thinking, if someone was a hundred now, you would say, well, you're just an infant. They'll think, no, man, I'm old as dirt. No, no, you know, you know. And, well, not in course God's thinking, you know. Jesus said, remember he said, he said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be gone a little while. Been a minute, ain't it? I mean, what does he think a long time is if you think 2,000, you know, 2000 years is just a little while? <laughs> if, so if he ever says, I'm going to be gone a long time, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long haul. Because <laughs> he calls 2,000 you know, two years a minute. You know, I'll, be, I'll be on just a little while. Like when my wife goes in public, she says, I'll be in there just a minute. Going to get two or three things. I think she means that. I know she means that. She's not, she's not obviously saying, but I, I just know it's not going to happen. So I always have me a good book or something I can read on my phone, you know, because I know it's going to be a minute. Because they're busy in there. It's not her just getting everything. It's just, they're in a way. She has to wait in line and be kind. <laughs> but I have seen buggies come out sometimes too when we went in there for four things. Said, well, this was on sale, and I forgot this. We're going to have that party. And I forgot that. Be good. Since we're here, I got this. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. I better move on because I ain't had supper tonight. I may not get done. Now there's verses that we're talking about here for the for the uh, those of you who are watching or listening. And we talked about the attributes of Jesus, you know, being righteousness, holiness, power, authority, giftedness, spirit-filled, glory, blessedness, or level of favor. We asked, how would Jesus score in each one of those categories? And you all said 10. But then the question was, how would you score? Well, then, then you said 10. Well, I, I won't take time to read all these, but I will give uh, the references for those who are listening uh, to... Um, to do your homework because you need, you, need you need to know why, why they all say here they score 10. And that would be 1 John 4, 17, Romans 8, 11, Romans 8, 14 through 17, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, Ephesians 1, 3, John 14, 20. And there'd be many more. That's just some to answer those questions. John 17, uh, here's a few more, John 17, 20 through 23, and 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Now that should take you what, you, what it says, page 17 right there, or your third page, I guess, or fourth. It says, do you see it yet? Are you all there on the next page? Do you see it yet? All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone be in Christ, he, I'm going to say he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you are a new creation, unlike you were in the past. Now, why is this important? I, see, I, I know that you know this. This is what I talked about Sunday. You've got to be really cautious because familiarity comes in. You can, you can say, I can quote that with my eyes closed. That's great. Get to that place. But you'll quit listening. 
and you'll quit learning and you won't draw everything that's out of there. When you become familiar with a word or a, a person or an individual or a minister, whoever it is, your spouse, whoever it is. You know, the, the disciples came to the place that they, they saw the truth in Jesus and they said, we've determined not to see any new man in Christ just because we know him. I mean, they knew how Jesus liked his fish. They knew how he liked his eggs, whether sunny side up or runny or, or cooked all the way in. I, I don't know. But they determined not to know anyone after the flesh because even though we know things about each other, we know we, we, we come to know each other and enjoy one another's company. We know our, each other's personality and a little quirk, especially me, because I'm the one who's always talking here. He said, well, he does this, and he has this weird way of doing that, and he doesn't. He doesn't finish this, and he opens stories, and he forgets to you know, tell them the end of them. I keep telling my wife, and I do that, tell me, but she doesn't tell me. So if you hear me doing it, say, say like, finish that story, because I've, I've been notorious for starting a testimony and not finish it, and y'all know it, and y'all don't say anything. So it's not my fault. I'm just telling y'all that they're not telling me. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, so I'm just saying we can, get, we can come to know one another on a personal basis, but we ought to be in awe about the person who we are in Christ on the inside because there's no plumb in the depths of what's, of what's in each one of us because it's Christ in you, right? The hope of glory. Amen. So I don't care whether you like mayonnaise or don't like mayonnaise. That's, that, that doesn't make any difference to me. Um, so we're, we're a new creation, unlike you were in the past. God is not an evolutionist. He created you new. You did not evolve into a son of God. You were born a fully fledged son. <laughs> You're not going to evolve into a super Christian in the next conference. After the famous man of God imparted something to you, or when you read the next best-selling book, Jesus died to make you what you are. Just be that. Just be. Just be. Because you're, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. So just be. If, if, if the word is your authority, then you, you have to take that as it is. You know, the difference between pride and humility doesn't seem like what it would be. But you could take someone who seems like they're meek and they're quiet or they may, just may look like they're an introvert and they just like they hardly say anything. And they could be and they're number one. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes their problem is pride. You think because they're quiet, but that doesn't mean they're teachable. When, when you begin to read the scriptures and find out who you really are in Christ, when, it, when it's not lining up with your experience in life, and everything says not so, well, you're healed, not according to the x-rays, not according to the doctrine, not according for 20 years or whatever, but the Bible says I am, but my body says that I'm not. And well, I've had everybody, and everybody who knows everybody prayed for me, and nothing's changed. Well, then you're, you're down to just, you know, like Smith Wordsworth said, he said a, a person is in a good place when there's no person on the planet who can help them. I didn't like that when I read it. I mean, it didn't, it didn't make me feel good that I read no person on the planet. But what that does is it simplifies things. In other words, it's like the woman with the issue of blood. She tried everything. I think she was a woman of means. She'd been sick for 12 years going to the doctor. She had to have some money when she began. When you go to the doctor for 12 years, they, they get paid. They don't have to fix nothing. And I know I say that all the time, but I'm just, I, I know what I'm talking They don't have to fix you to, to bill you. I mean, they're, they're looking to help you and bless you and, and make you better if they can. I think, the, I think the mass majority of them actually care. But I'm just saying they don't have to achieve an end result for them to get paid, do they? 
I mean, if you got a cars, whether you got insurance, whether you don't have insurance or Medicare, or Medicaid or cash, they'll take all of it. But that doesn't mean they have to achieve an end to do that. Doesn't work that way in most businesses. Just doesn't. I mean, some of you are in business here. I mean, I mean, I think about Scott there in the back. You know, he's, he builds, he's a carpenter, he's a skilled craftsman. But I think when he agrees to do something, it's in writing. We're going to do this, this, and this, and tear that out. And put, I mean, he, he has it all down, and, they, and they're going to say yes. And I'm sure he has most of them signed it, not all of them. But I don't think they pay him well, he, if he doesn't finish it. He may get a few draws along the line, line, but if he doesn't finish what he started, then there's going to be a problem. He's probably going to end up in court. Well, that's the way that that's the way most business works. Well, he, well, healing is God's business. Salvation is God's business. You know who I work for? JC Incorporated. Huh? Why? Because we're we're, we're children of a kingdom. <laughs> what we're doing tonight is is really kingdom business. What we're doing is is, is causing ourselves to cause mastery mastery in our thinking. That we take something that we know about and we've heard before, but yet we don't hear many testimonies of, hey, Pastor, I went to this and Thursday did this and they got hit. Well, the reason why I'm not hearing it is because it's not happening that often. Why isn't it happening? You can't find anyone sick in the world? Well, you may not if you don't get out of your house, but if you do, there's plenty, there's plenty of opportunity. There's plenty of people who need help. But when you begin to find out what you have and what you can do and the tools you got to work with, and when you begin to cause the confidence that rise up within you, know that I can go help that person, you'll say, it's just a matter of me going there or calling them and getting there because I know I can help them. See, that's not pride. You know, humility is coming to the place to say, well, my experience doesn't match what the Bible says, but I choose to believe it anyway. In other words, you remain teachable. But when you're not teachable, I don't care if you've got a quiet personality. You, you can be the most proudest person on the face of the earth. And anyone, so, so, some of y'all know people with names. We won't mention them tonight. That they got 400 reasons why everything, I mean, for every solution you got, they got 10 reasons why that's not going to work. Before you get it out of your mouth. I mean, I've done it counseling through the years. Yeah, we know that. Ball pass, we all know that. We know that. You do. Yeah, that, it's not working. I said, well, the Bible says so-and-so. Well, I know. Well, we know it says that. But it, but, but it don't work. What don't work? What you just said. I didn't say anything. I read, I read you a scripture. God don't work. Bible don't work. Well, I ain't saying that. One, one of them said, well, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. I said, well, how far would you go to say what you believe? <laughs> I mean, how far will you take this thing? Well, you just don't understand. It's this man. It's this woman. You don't know what he's done. Well, I, and I don't want to know all of it. Just, 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 I mean, if we got to talk about some of that part, I don't need to know all that. But no matter what's happened, I know what the solution is. Huh? But no one wants to hear love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. No attention. I mean, it's like my wife says, a suffered wrong. She even suffered wrong. It's like, y'all remember doing that? I can't do it like she did. So love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. <laughs> It wasn't coming for me now. I'm just saying, it's just people show up at the house sometimes. So you're this new creation. So we're not we're, we're not an evolutionist that we're, that we just keep on evolving and keep on evolving and keep on evolving to be, to finally become the person that the Bible says you already are. The bumper sticker says, "He's still working on me. He ain't working on you." 
Not, in one sense, okay, but he, not, not in the sense of, of the bigger sense, well, you know, I'm just a work in progress. Somebody needs to pull you off that assembly line. I thought the Bible says you are complete in Christ. Now, the work in progress is right here. If you're talking about that, I get that. But this, the, the spirit person, it, it's not a work in progress. Your, your heart, your spirit is smart. I mean, it's intelligent. Huh? The Bible says put on the mind of, didn't say Paul. That wouldn't be too bad. Didn't say John. That wouldn't have been bad at all. He said, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Didn't mention any of those guys. He said, put on the mind of Christ. Huh? Put on the mind of Christ. First Corinthians says, you have the mind of Christ. Now see, but will you accept that? Well, you know, it's my 40th birthday and Lordy, Lordy, Joe Bob's 40. Well, do you want us to get already up your coffin next week? Oh, no, I just ain't, I'm just as old. Well, old. No, you're just coming in now to you have not a little bit of sense. Then don't get mad if you're 30. I mean, at 15, I figured I knew it all. That's the new 11, 10, 11 now. You know, they come into the fullness of all knowledge when they're 10 or 11. I, back when I was, it was 15 or 16. Then when you get to be 40, you look back at 30, so, you know, I didn't really know much back then. And then, you know, I, I had to question the Lord one day. I says, it's not for me to question. It's just interesting. Why, why it worked out with human beings that they could have children when they were so young. Because we really didn't know anything. How, how, can, how does a kid know anything about raising kids? Of course, when you're 25, you may not feel like you're a kid or 30. But when you get to be, you know, 50, 60, 70, you look back, you might think, you know, I, I, I was just young. <laughs> I was young. But the good thing is them kids survived. And their kids will survive. And we just go to the Word find out what he says about it. Amen. Y'all doing okay? We know Ephesians 2.10 says this, that for, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God hath prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God made you new. Someone say new. You had nothing to do with it except saying, yes, I believe. He made you new for many purposes, one of which is enable us to walk in his good works. That doesn't mean taking up space, but merely living morally, holy, and obedient lives. It means to be like Christ on the earth, doing the same things he did and greater, healing the sick, casting out demons, bringing the kingdom to those who need it. To be like Christ, we need to be born again, hence the new creation. Ephesians 2, 23 and 24 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which, has cre which was created according to God in true holiness or, or in true uh, righteousness and holiness. So the new man, of which you are, has been created according to God. You've been created in righteousness and holiness. Some say, well, I'm not holy. Okay, well, then let's keep reading. The new creation is created in righteousness and holiness. That means you are created in righteousness and holiness. It is what and who you are, not what you do. Can you accept that? Because the Bible says it. Well, now, man, I know I've done a couple of things. I couldn't be holy. Well, there, there is a holiness. There is a righteous work. But you're not, 
you're not, but it, it would be the fruit of it. It would be the fruit of righteousness. It would be the fruit of holiness. Huh? But you became the righteous and holiness of God when you become born again. A criminal act is anything a criminal does. A sinful act is anything a sinner does. Whether good or bad, when a sinner acts, it is sinful. That is why your best efforts are like filthy rags. Once you are the righteous of God in Christ, your acts are holy and righteous. Ooh. When you brush your teeth, it's holy and righteousness. When you drive your car, it's holy and righteousness. When you spend time in worship, it's holy and righteous. When you minister to the sick, it's holy and righteousness. The number one reason for believers, next page, for not walking in power is a misunderstanding of the new birth and the ignorance of the new creation by transforming by the renewing of mind. Galatians 3.27 says, For many of you have been babbed into Christ, you put on Christ. So putting on the new man is not something that you... Did he? What did he do? He commanded things. He commanded the baby healed. He commanded storm. He commanded withered hands. He multiplied the fish and the loaves. He never prayed actually a healing prayer. He just spoke with words and authority. He spoke the will of God. When we understand that we are simply doing what he did, we'll simply speak the word of God from a place of faith. And the pressure is not on you. Because it's not you. Christ in you. You died. It's, you say, well, I just never prayed for someone at stage four or whatever. I, so I'm kind of scared. You don't have to be because the Holy One's in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. And, he's, and he, he's, he's already been to a rodeo. Huh? The Holy Spirit has seen everything and done everything that you never saw or yet have participated in. He, and he is not nervous. And he's the one in you. He's the one who's going to do the works. It's not you doing the works. It's him doing the works. He just needs a vessel. So when we get rid of the stuff, people say, well, I'm just I'm digging the scriptures looking for the hidden gem. There is no hidden gem. It's laying there on top. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Where's the hidden gem in that? Lay hands on the sick. Oh, I wonder what it wonder, 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 wonder what he really meant. He meant lay hands on sick. <laughs> right? Have faith in God. Oh, I wonder what that really, really means. Well, how about have, have faith in God? See, we just complicate things too much. And word people, because we're real wordy, like, you know, we need to cross-reference that. Think about that. We run 14 references in our mind while we're doing it. <laughs> oh, praise God. Well, where are we at? Y'all remember? Living as new Christian. Thank you, sir. As the sons of God. Romans 12, 1, 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but you transformed by the removing of your mind. I'm sorry, renewing of your mind. That you may prove what that is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. So transformation is linked to what? Mind renewal, which means we think differently. It's also the real definition of repentance. Why? To prove God's will not merely talk about it. So you have to renew your own mind. God gives revelation, but you have to use that revelation, don't you? His will doesn't just happen spontaneously. He puts you here to do it for him. Philemon 6 says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
So faith is made effective by acknowledging these things, not denying them. They're not just Christ. They're yours, too, because you are co-equal heirs. You can't have faith in God beyond your knowledge of him. Hosea 4, 6. If you don't know Jesus saves, why would you believe in him? If you don't know God heals, why would you trust him for healing? You wouldn't, would you? Romans 16, 20 says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Your feet. God will crush when you step. Step, step, step. Matthew 28, 18, 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you every other Sunday. Only in church. No. Always, even to the ends of the earth, right? So whatever's been given to Jesus, next page, we share 100% as co-heirs with him. He has all authority and we have all of him. He will never leave you. You don't have to ask him to come. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come? Well, where did you think he, he was at when you, before you called him? Well, yeah, I thought he was down there over in Tampa somewhere. With Rodney hired Brown. Well, he is, he's there too. But is he going to leave Pastor Rodney to come here? Or is he going to leave here to go see him? No, he's omnipotent. He can bear with you. He's all-knowing. Wow. In other words, when you deal with, when you deal with Holy Spirit, you deal with a know-all. Huh? He said he'll show you all things. He, I mean, he's Holy, Holy, Holy Ghost is in show business. And he's a know-it-all know know who's in show business. Show you all things to come. If you are there, he is there because you are one. What did he teach them that we are to observe? Luke 9, 1 through 6. It says, Then he called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick. Verse 3, And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staffs nor bread and bag nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Verse 6, they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. He commanded them to preach and heal, and they did that everywhere. What were they doing? They were preaching the kingdom of God. That's what they were preaching. They weren't even preaching healing. They were preaching actually the kingdom. And healing comes out of the kingdom. Jesus never preached a healing message in his life. What did he do? He demonstrated because it's the kingdom. Amen. Luke 10, 8, 9. Whatever city you enter, there receive. Each such thing is set before you and heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, here it is again. The kingdom. The kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. So when you go to minister to him, you know that you are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the extension of the kingdom of God. So that's what you're all. That's all that you're really doing is I'm just bringing tonight. I'm just bringing kingdom to you. What we're doing here tonight. Is we're having kingdom business. What we're actually doing is we're, we're, we're having a summit meet right here with the leaders right here. It's going to affect the whole world. People who want to think on a higher level. People who want to see and do things that others don't care about or, or do not care to experience. If you was a Christian who just wanted to clock in and out, you wouldn't be here tonight. There's plenty of them. Good people. I'm sure a lot of them go to heaven, if not all of them. But there's some people who wants to see more, do more, touch more, have more. 
I think that's a lot of you in this room right to know. That's a, that, and so, so when you think God's business, you, you're always thinking in, the, in, in, the, in the, the directive of the kingdom. The kingdom has come near. That's why I can say heal the sick. When you're talking about kingdom, then you're saying there's a king. We know who he is, don't you, right? You can't have a dumb without a king. Kingdom. That means domain. Kingdom domain. Right? The, the, the rule of God is the reign of God. It's the authority of God. It's the power of God. So when you're, when you're coming and you're bringing the kingdom, you're, you're bringing the king and all the resources of that kingdom to that individual. To, we're bringing the kingdom of the gospel to this part of, of, of this state and throughout the state and where the gospel preaches to wherever it goes. This is kingdom business going forward. That why we can say with confidence in the name of Jesus, be healed. It's not your authority. It's his authority. You say, well, he's given me authority. Well, no, not really. He's not really giving you authority. He's given you the ability or the authority to use his name. If it was your authority, you just use your name, right? You just say the name of Jesus, the name of Eric, be healed. Well, the, that doesn't work. But in the name of Jesus, be healed. Demon go in the name of Jesus. And the, and the demon has to go. You say, well, I want, not if the demon don't want to. No, the demon has to go. So, well, they may want it. Well, we'll see if they want it after, after, after it leaves and they get their mind back. Then if they want it, let it come. That's other things that have to be discussed and learned. Because we say, well, you know, we didn't cast them out because they, the, they wanted the demon. They may tell you they want the demon. But why ask someone who's oppressed or, or, or demon-possessed demon, do you, do you want it? Well, a lot of times they're going to say, absolutely. But who are you talking to? Get them set free. Let the peace of God come back into their mind. Then see if they want to come back in. I guarantee they won't. Amen. That's not in your notes. Anyway, so um, Mark 16, uh, 14 through 18. I'll let you read that little letter on. You, you know what it says there. And then we'll go down to the uh, bottom down here. It says John 14, 12 through 14. It says, Most assuredly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he who believes in me. Anyone here believe in him? Y'all do? Y'all are believers in him? Y'all believe what he says? Well, let's back up. Most assuredly. I wonder what Jesus meant when he said most assuredly. A lot of times when you say the word verily, verily, if you study that out in the Greek, it says most emphatically so. Or pay attention to this. I'm about to say something real weighty. Most assuredly so. He or she who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. Also, in greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask it in my name, I will do it. John 20. 21, Jesus said unto them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, also do I send you. Last page. So whatever means whatever. Anything means anything. God is that good. We are sent in the same way Jesus was sent by the Father. How can God expect us to be sent just like Jesus without giving us access to everything Jesus has access to? In other words, you can't tell me to do the same works you do if I don't have the ability to do it. In other words, I can't, you can't tell me to go build a barn if you don't give me the tools and lumber to build it with. In other words, you have to, I have to access, I have to have it my, 
in my, in my possession what is necessary to do the same work that you did. And he said we were going to do the same works and greater works. In conclusion, 2 Corinthians 1, 19-20, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. I can't tell how powerful that scripture is right there. You don't even know it, but I preached on it about six months ago. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, what I preached to you was not a yes and no sermon. I did not preach to you a yes and no gospel. But in him it has always been yes. So for, so for no matter how many promises God has made, there are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Said that kind of fast. All the promises are yes. And let it be in Christ. It is part of your inheritance. If your parents die and leave you a million dollars, will you lay claim to it or not? You thank God. Someone said yes. <laughs> then my, the next question is, do you tithe? No, <laughs> if someone comes and tells you, yes, they said it, but they didn't mean it. Would you say, oh, yeah, they must have been talking about somebody else. Or would you say, sorry, you're a liar. I have it in black and white that they meant me. This is my money and I'll have it. It's the same way you have it in black and white, signed by the blood of the land that the promise are yours. Don't entertain lies because that'll just steal your inheritance. How do you like that? Was that okay? I mean, I could just preach it, but I want you to have, a, I want you to have something in your hands. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. I thought I had something here that you might wanted to know. How many of y'all know you're God's son, your man's servant, and the devil's master? John G. Lake said, The truth will set you free, but first it might make you mad. He said, if you haven't found a gospel worth dying for, you haven't found a gospel worth living for. He says, when the Son of God speaks, heaven hears and agrees. Hell hears and obeys. Healing isn't a reward. It's a gift. So don't work for it or earn it. Healing is not a reward. It's a gift. It belongs to you. If the gospel isn't touching others, it's because it ain't touched you yet. We're getting, we're getting mastery. We're getting mastery. That's what we're doing. You just be looking at these things. You say, well, that's just not kind of thing. It is. It's your thing. Just decide it's your thing. You heard me tell before. I mean, when I knew I was going to go, I didn't know what the call meant to do. All I knew I was supposed to go to Bible school. And I couldn't figure out why in the world he called me to go to Bible school. But he didn't tell me what he's going to do with me. You know, I didn't. I mean, I, I knew I mean, I knew I knew I was never going to be like a, a pastor or anything. I knew that. 1990, when he talked to me about that. Two years later, I went to Raymond, 92. I mean, I, I knew I probably just stayed in business the rest of my life. And uh, but uh, I, I was smart enough to realize that if you went to Bible school and you end up in the ministry, it might require reading. And I didn't like to read a whole lot. 
And it turned out when I went to Bible school, it did require a lot of reading. So all I did before I went there, I said, I'm going to Bible school. Two years. Wow. Imagine that. There's going to be probably some reading assignments. But that's okay. I said, because I love to read. I love to read. Now, can I tell you that was an Alabama lie? Because <laughs> I didn't like to read. I mean, the, the quickest way for me to go to sleep was just start reading. Like, oh. Like some people do when they come here preaching. Huh? Well, that's, that, that was the thing. But I, I just decided, it's like a switch. I just turned out and said, I, I, just love, I just love reading. And did you know? Because I kept on saying I, I believed it. <clears throat> now, probably what I have more than anything else that costs the, I mean, it, it's not, I don't have no golf equipment, nothing wrong with that. I don't have any sports equipment. I mean, I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't do anything. But I probably got some, some money sunk in some books and study days, like a lot of it. Now, my older brother was the one who always read. And I, when I mean read, I mean really read. And I don't exaggerate. He read the, all the encyclopedias, A through Z, as a teenager. That's crazy. Then he read the encyclopedia and, and you know, all the words. True. I mean, he, he, he was in, you know, and, and he now shared a bedroom. It was terrible. And I begged for the lamp to go off. My mother finally made him, you know, make like a little tin over his lamp. And, uh, and I was never doing that. You know, I was just going to school and not barely doing that and being a whatever. So when he came to my house one day, he walked in, he walked in my office and he says, he says, are these your books? I says, yeah, it's a few of them. He says, my gosh. He said, that's funny. He said, I haven't read a book in 20 years. And I said, well, I'll take up your habit, I guess. He said, look like yours about mostly one subject. I said, they are, but it's, a, it's, it's wide and deep and can't plumb the depth of it. He said, this is funny. He says, you wouldn't even hardly read the cartoons. I said, it is funny. It's absolutely funny what God will do to, with you. Amen. So we're just getting started. We're just getting started. Y'all know who you are, don't you? Man, I'm telling you what. You get master of this thing, and you'll go out. That's what we're looking to do. That's part of these, these summit meetings is just causing us to think in a different way. It's not to say, well, I'm better than this. Not you. No, that, 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 that ain't it. That, that, that's not the right attitude about that. But, but it's, just, it's just deciding to say, if, 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 not, if not me, who? And if not now, when? Jesus is just looking for someone to, to come down through. It doesn't... It, I don't think he agrees with anybody's doctrine all the way, do you? If he had to agree with all of our doctrine, he'd have nobody to work with. If he had to work with perfect people, there wouldn't be a single person. Jesus would have to come back. He just wants us to go. His disciples didn't know all of it. They learned a little bit. He sent them out to do things. and they come back, he'd teach them a little bit more. Then he sent them out to go do a few things, come back and teach them a little bit more. Then he actually left the earth. He said, there's things that I need to tell you, but y'all not even ready to hear them. Then the apostle Paul, who was Saul, what he did, he got a revelation from Jesus and he wasn't even there, you know, with the, the original disciples. And so Paul had a revelation and he was never there. And Peter, Peter, who was with Jesus all the time, he said, now, Paul, man, now, Paul preaches the thing. He just fight hard to understand. <laughs> well, Paul knew about the new man in Christ. Jesus, uh, but Peter knew about the one that, you know, how he liked his fish. 
Peter knew a lot, but Paul, Paul had the, the revelation of the new man, of the new covenant. And Peter scratching his head. He says, now, I don't really know. I mean, now, he's preaching some really hard things to understand. He said, what's he preaching? He says, he's Christ in us. The hope of glory. You ever heard anything like that? He said, now, we, you know, Jesus left us his name and man, it's working. And it was working. Look at the book of Acts. He said, but Paul's preaching some things. It's just like, it's out there, boys. It's out there. He said, there's a mystery that he, he, he kept hid all these ages. And Paul brought it out by revelation. He says, Christ is, he's not just working with us. Paul said he's in us. In us. How'd he get in there? Hmm. So, how about, you, you look pretty good because you're, you're the new Holy of Holies. You are. You suited out, look, make it look real good. Amen. Well, we bless you in Jesus' name. We call you blessed. Amen. Healed, set free, and delivered. Amen.